You're listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. So it's always good to start with where people really are before I throw some lofty ideas at you for you to think about, well, how is it that, I, that I'm connecting with God right now? So I brought a few props to help me with this. I think of this, and you'll see on your handout, I have them there. I think of this as the committee that lives in your head. And these various committee members are talking you into different ways to connect with God. So the first one I have is, here, I'll put this up here. The first one I have is the committee member that I call Picture perfect. This is those of you who are real overachievers, and maybe you have this person who lives in your head. You read all the recent Christian books, you go to Bible studies, you journal, you've even fasted, whoa. You've even done a media fast, oh my goodness. Um, And your behavior, you know, it seems so great on the outside and everyone just looks up to you and you're always reforming yourself. You're always wondering, gee, but when will I improve? Oh my gosh, how is that gonna happen? So some of you may may identify with picture perfect. That's usually the one we bring to church, so I'll just set it right here. And then some of us, the, the person that we identify with most, the committee member in our head, and I have a little firefighter's hat for this one. This is the one I call the rescuer. This is for those of you who are always putting out other people's fires. Isn't it, isn't it so great that you're here with us? And uh, you know, when you pray, you're usually praying for other people because you're just so busy, busy, busy helping people. And, um, and rescuing seems good, but you know, what I have found is that people, I've, I've had people come up to me at the end, pick up this hat and say, here's the deal. I only have a life of rescuing. I don't really have a life with God. And of course, that's not true of everyone who is so helpful, but sometimes it is true. And we'll actually be talking about that a little bit more tomorrow. So these people, they've changed somewhat, but you know, they were always so good from the beginning anyway. So there hasn't been a whole lot of transformation. And then one, I forgot the hat, but I'm looking at Sunshine Coffee friend here. The hat you have on, okay, that's the one I usually bring is one like that, except I wear it backwards. Thank you, yes, she's modeling it. Oh, she's even gonna oblige me, thank you. I call this the kickback kid. Now, see, you you came tonight because your spouse or a friend kind of dragged you here. And uh, you know, you're you're okay being here, but um, you're, you, you, in the past, you know, you read the Bible and you had a great time with God, but maybe not so much anymore, and you're not too bad, not too good, but um, you haven't kind of really checked in with God for a while, but, but you're here. And then the, the fourth one, and um, oh boy, this, is, this one's wild. I identified this one, of course, because I know her well. This is the one I call the attitude police. Okay. This is the member that lives in your head that when you read scripture, you think about other people and how they really should pay more attention to those passages. And we kind of police people in our heads and maybe even give them a few spiritual tickets. And uh, 
think about, you know, if they only knew this Bible verse. And the, the really sad thing about this too is that if this is a committee member in your head is that it turns on you all the time too, doesn't it? And condemns you. And that line that was in the song, the overwhelming weight of sin, becomes a very big weight because you're policing yourself as well. And then what's interesting is that these committee members, and there can be many, many more, they start arguing with each other. And it's like a courtroom in your head because you're out there rescuing and the kickback kid tells you to pull back. And so you pull back. And then the attitude police tells you that you're lazy. And, and it just goes back and forth. And what happens is that these ways that get built up they provide static, and it's very hard to hear God. It's very hard to hear what God's invitation is to me today, where God is leading me to think and feel. And so what happens is that we're, we, we get confused, and we look for a way of living with God. You'll see on your handout there, I have... Um, life in the kingdom of God. The truth is that Jesus came and brought the kingdom of God. And he said, the kingdom of God is among you. And he talked about that. The kingdom of God is wherever what God wants done gets done. And there, are, I think all of you today have lived in the kingdom of God for at least a few minutes, if not a few hours, where you, you were being and doing what God wanted and you were in sync with God. You were in communication with God. That's living in the kingdom of God here and now. It's a place of great presence, a, great, a place of great power where God empowers us to do things. In the kingdom of God, you don't have to pay attention to any of the committee members. You can set them aside. You probably needed them at some time in your life, but you don't need them now. Because living in the kingdom of God, you can become a person. And I want you just to dream for just a second. You can become a person who really does live with joy and gratefulness. You don't have seasons of being crabby. You, have, you become the kind of person who blesses your enemies. And I define enemy as anybody you find difficult today. You really can become the kind of person who doesn't hold grudges, who doesn't think about that thing that she said to me. You've been able to let it go and to be able to bless that person to want what's best for that person. You really can become the kind of person who cares deeply about others, who you, you're glad to do the greeting at church, but you, you really want more. You wanna, you're looking to see who God is inviting you to love today. You really can become the kind of person who doesn't just say whatever comes into your head, but who thinks about what you're gonna say and lets the Spirit speak for, through you. You really can become the kind of person who goes the extra mile and thinks it's fun, who goes the extra mile and you don't have to mention it to anyone, who goes the extra mile because it was an adventure with Jesus. You really can become the kind of person who lives with purposeful intentionality, who knows where God is leading you and you are eager to follow. You really can become the kind of person who has just let go of pride, who doesn't grab the credit, who never, ever, ever judges, who never condemns. Only God has the credentials to do something like that. 
as you think about those and you look at those on your handout, I want you to think for just a minute, which of those qualities, because what that is, is that's just a, a summary of the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> which of those qualities do you sense God inviting you into today? Where, if you would let yourself dream for a minute, where is God, where is God inviting you? I would love for just two or three of you just to call out what you see God inviting you into. Pardon? Yes. Being able to let go, let people off the hook. Not, no judgment, yes. Living in joy and gratefulness. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yes, those difficult people in your life. What you're describing is the life of the easy yoke. We think that obedience, that living in God's kingdom, that following Jesus is really hard. You know what's really hard is sin because it just gets me into trouble. It, it makes me dislike myself. And it, it's a lot of work to judge people, you know? You gotta keep it up. And if you're gonna hold a grudge, you gotta keep it up. Sin is really work. I think Dallas once said, sin is slop. That's because he grew up on a farm and he knows all about pigs and all that kind of stuff that I don't know anything about. But the, the life that you have just talked about being invited into, this is the, my burden is light, the yoke is easy. This is the one we're invited into. And the world is hungry for genuinely changed people. Superficiality is the curse of our age where, where we mouth certain things, but then we aren't living up to it. We really need people in our culture who listen deeply and who love deeply, who don't care about getting the credit. But this doesn't happen often because the committee is swirling in our head and they're, they're, we don't get that emphasis of spiritual formation that your leadership team is so eager and has, and has talked to me about your desire for this, that God really can transform you. And it's not heavy duty, it's not work. And that's what we're gonna be talking about. Your hearts really can be transformed. I have a friend who says, you know, Jan, I'm just living in, in Romans 7. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do, and what I hate, I do. You know, Paul was describing that's what life is like before you live in the kingdom of God. When he moves to chapter 8, this is your life and mine. We belong to the Holy Spirit. And it's a companionship that is close and deep and wonderful. We are led by the Spirit of God. Um, people, my students often tease me. They go, you just answer every question with the same answer. And I said, I do. And they said, yes, it's always ask Jesus. Well, you know what? Jesus just has great ideas. And I highly recommend, if you can't find something, ask Jesus. If you don't know what to say to your teenage daughter because she's making you crazy, ask Jesus. If you, if you don't know what to do, whenever it is, at an awkward moment or, or vocationally, just ask Jesus, just ask for a next step. You don't have to ask for the whole thing. Just ask him. 
because you really can become the kind of person who can walk around thinking, and this, this is my paraphrase of the great commandment, what would it look like to love God for the next 10 minutes? What would it look like to love the person in front of me, that's your neighbor, the person nigh you, for the next 10 minutes? Just, you know, start small, do it a little at a time, re-up again for 10 more, but don't think of it as this huge burden that you have to carry around. The transformation of your soul doesn't happen because you try hard to be good. It happens because of your interactive relationship with the Trinity. That, the, the, par, the subtitle I usually have under how transformation occurs is an interactive life with God. You become like the one you hang out with. It's organic. That's just how it works. We stay connected with God. I started getting this idea, especially through John 15, and I love that you have the, I noticed the, the vine, we've got all that whole metaphor going, yes! Because that's what John 15 is all about. There's three big issues going on in John 15. One is Jesus' invitation to abide in him, to hang out with him, to spend your life with him, to see what it would be like. And that, that's what we're going to be doing in our scripture meditation session, just hanging out with God for a while, seeing what God wants to say to me. The more we abide in Christ, well, the, the invitation, as Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. It's mutual. You never have to be lonely again, never. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, but all these committee members sure do try, don't they? Just as the br branch cannot bear fruit by itself, and fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, becoming the kind of person, th the way I explain spiritual formation to people who don't really, like they don't go to church or anything, I always say, it's becoming the kind of person your dog thinks you already are. <laughs> and then they go, really? That's what you teach in college? And I go, yes, and it's very exciting. But you cannot bear fruit by itself unless you abide in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. When you're struggling, the right answer is abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing even though you're gonna try. And then as he moves down there, so we move from abiding to bearing fruit, it's organic. As you connect with God, and all of you have different ways of connecting with God, and I'm gonna have you talk about that in a minute. But as you connect with God, you begin to bear fruit. And then you know what happens down in verse nine? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So as I abide in Christ, and the fruit comes out, I start forgiving, even though I didn't think I could. I start giving people a pass and, and, and realizing that there's something going on in their life. This isn't about me, the way they reacted to me. I, I can obey, and obedience moves from being that really hard, terrible word that we don't, we hope that Ryan never talks about again in church, to being a very sweet life, the life that we talked about, that life of joy and gratefulness. 
And then the more you're obedient, you kind of scratch your head and you go, you know what, this really works. <laughs> I get along better with people at work now. I, I, you know, my daughter-in-law even likes me. What's up with that? Um, obedience then just comes and what you do is then you go, I want to abide in Christ some more. And the cycle just continues. You abide, the fruit comes out, and obedience occurs. But you need to jump in at abiding and figure it, and ask Jesus, what does abiding look like for me? Our problem has been that we have made our life with God very mechanical. I call it checkbox spirituality. It's the kind of thing where, you know, you go up to a vending machine and, and that's how we look at our faith. And you put in your coins of faith. I mean, you even come on Saturday night to church. Oh my goodness. Wow, that's a pretty big coin. And it goes in the vending machine and then you're waiting at the bottom for the goodies to drop, right? And some of you have been through horrific things and the goodies have not dropped. And when no one here is looking, you're kicking the vending machine trying to get the goodies to drop. That is not how it works. That's a mechanical way of looking at faith. That is using God. That is wanting God's blessings more than wanting God. The, the truth is that God is relentlessly relational. God wants you. God is coming for you, wants to be with you. I think of it this way. Think about the old days when, in order for me to get here to Burbank, I would have needed MapQuest. And you know, you put it in, and then you printed it out, and 20-point type for some of us. And so you're there, and, and you get in the car, and Jesus is in the passenger seat. And he says to you, he, he, tries to, he reaches over and picks up those papers, and he throws them out the window and smiles at you and says, turn the key. But, you know, we want to do it perfectly, don't we? And so we say, no, 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 I need those instructions. I need to know how many, how many miles it is and the exit, you know, from when I get off at Hollywood Way, and then I, I need to know the whole thing. And he goes, I'll tell you, I'm here with you. It's going to be good. Turn the key. And, and you're, still, you're still griping because you want to know exactly, you want to know where the McDonald's is, you know, for the drive-thru <laughs> stuff. You want to know where everything is. And he said, and then finally he smiles at you and he goes, here's the deal. We're going to have a good time, and we're going to go through drive throughs like you've never seen before. We're going to stop and, uh, and see things you haven't seen before. Then we're going to stop by the side of the road, and we're going to help people that you hate. It's going to be wonderful. Turn the key. That is what God is saying to us every day. I am with you. Let's roll. Turn the key. I've got some ideas for you. And as you connect with God, you will hear God say those kinds of things to you. And prayer will just take off because prayer, as it's practiced many times now, is that God is something of a 911 emergency operator who quickly and cleverly is supposed to cure all our ills. People view God today as a problem solver, so they think they're closer to God when they have problems. It doesn't have to be that way. Spiritual growth does not have to be fueled only by emergency 911 calls to God. It's a radical thought to many Christians that they can have the same connection with God all day long that they now only sense during crisis moments. You really can be bonded with God. 
That's part of what we're going to talk about tomorrow morning at 9 in practicing the presence of God. This is the life you were meant for. When we're not living that life, it's like we're only half alive. Life without God is just not interesting. It's very boring. And so we grow to love God for God's own self. So spiritual formation happens, and you can see on, let me see on our handouts, um, we're ready to move to vision, intention, and means. And I've already given you the vision. This is Dallas's little outline that he uses. The vision, we talked about that, that life of joy and gratefulness. But you need that vision in front of you that God is inviting you. In fact, Dallas thought that we taught too much about means. And he said, what we need day after day is vision, that I am one in whom Christ delights and dwells, and I live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God, even when the very worst things happen to you. And I can guarantee you this, when that worst thing happens, I am one in whom Christ delights and dwells, and I live in that strong and unshakable kingdom of God. And the companionship of God is real and tangible. So that vision, and then that idea of intention. What is it that God is intending for us? What is it that we intend? Do you really want this life? Or are you happy just floating along with your committee members and letting them argue in your head? How much do we really want it? That's the man with the buried treasure. It, I think that's such a fun parable. Can't you just see this guy? He's like a laborer, you know, and he goes in there and he's digging around and, and then he hits something and he picks it up and he sees that it's a treasure. You just see him, you know, just kind of covered up. He goes home, he sells the house, the car, the dog, the cat, he sells it all and goes to the land office and says, that little piece of property there, I've sold everything and that's what I want. Have I given up on trying to be the star? Have I given up on trying to be the most competent person? Have I given up on all of that? And am, have I given up on trying to just have a really fun life? To give up on all that and to say, God, I want that rich life with you. That's the intention. And then the means. And so the means on page two of your handouts, by the action of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will invite you into certain spiritual practices. And you will do these practices behind the scenes. And as you do them, you will run into ordinary circumstances. What that means is things you would probably rather not happen. But because of the spiritual practices in your life, you are ready to roll with it. And you'll know what practices because the Spirit will invite you into them. And they will look different for you than they do for me. But God will invite you into those. So here's, here's the story of how I see it working. So I volunteered at a place called the Samaritan Center in Simi Valley for um, quite a few decades. And when I first went there, I was, you know, trying to be the good, you know, I was the rescuer. I was all of those guys, you know. And then I finally figured out, no, I'm really just here to pray. And that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, I just folded laundry. I had, for about 20 years, that's what I did. And then I finally was a mentor and all that kind of thing. But I just, I just did that, and it really helped me a lot because it taught me that I could fold laundry and pray for people, 
that I could just, just be present to people and really listen to them. So what, when I first got there, I was a little discouraged because the clients didn't appreciate me, you know, and, and my wonderful sacrifice to be there. And they would sometimes even yell at me. And I think the first few times, I think I yelled back, oh, it was terrible. But then, you know, you're trying to be the perfect Christian, so you can't do that. So you just think it. Well, okay, that didn't work either. And then that's when I finally figured out, okay, when they, I, that's my signal to pray for them. And I especially like praying breath prayers. And we'll talk about that tomorrow morning at 9. But one of my big breath prayers is show me this person's heart. So as I, as I was there for a while, here's, the, here's a, something that happened. So there was this woman named Tammy who came. And um, I had already seen that morning someone, another woman, who had two black eyes. And I had found out that Tammy had beaten her up. So I was kind of on alert. Okay, so Tammy's probably going to come, and I don't know what kind of mood she's going to be in. And so I'm there working on the paperwork that I'm supposed to do, and all of a sudden these hands slam down on the, pa on the desk in front of me, and I look up, and it's Tammy, and she is mad. And she said, I just came in here to tell you what a bad volunteer you are and how nobody here likes you. Well, you know, they always told me I was the most fun volunteer. But I didn't say anything. I just started in. Show me this woman's heart if she has one. Just show me this woman's heart. Because practicing the presence of God, saying my breath prayers, this is part, that's, that's when you look at the, the triangle, that's my spiritual practice. And Tammy is called ordinary circumstances. So she's talking and, and she's letting me have it for various different things. And I'm, I'm continuing. I want to see her heart. Let her show me her heart. And finally, she backed up a little and she said, now I know everyone here is mad at me because of, and she pointed to the woman. And, and I just, I didn't say, oh yeah. I just, mm-hmm. She said, so when I came in here, I just decided that I was gonna be really nice when I talked to you. And her hands are still on the thing. And I just put my hands over her hands and I said, and you have, Tammy, you've done a good job. And she said, do you think so? And I said, yes, I think so. And she goes, okay, I thought so too. And then she turns and she walks away. And I'm just standing there watching her. And a volunteer comes up behind me and says, I'm going to go get the director because clients aren't allowed to volunteer or yell at volunteers. And I said, no, no, don't do that. I think something beautiful just happened here. And I'm just, I'm just resting in it. Now, I went from being a person who either smarted off or wanted to smart off <laughs> to being a person who actually cared about Tammy. And it happened this, just that way. The Holy Spirit was leading me to learn how to practice the presence of God as I folded laundry. And ordinary circumstances came in, and I was ready for her. But I had to get ready ahead. I'd been doing that for quite a few years by the time this happened. That's how spiritual practices work. And so we begin to ask ourselves, how do I arrange my life so that this transformation is likely to occur? And I have a list of spiritual practices there on um, the disciplines of engagement. These are things that you do. And disciplines of abstinence. These are things that we move away from. Our corner of the kingdom is very big on disciplines of engagement, which is like continually breathing in air. 
we're not very big on disciplines of abstinence, which is letting go. And so you can see how we become very bloated because we're always engaging. But we need to exhale. The disciplines of, of abstinence are so important. If you're reading your Bible and you're not hearing God, you're not getting anything out of it, but you're doing it, there's probably not much solitude and silence in your life. You don't go 100 miles an hour, stop on a dime, give God 10 minutes to hear, to speak, and then it works because it's a relationship. It isn't mechanical. This isn't a vending machine. It's a real relationship. And you begin to think of solitude and silence as the best possible thing. The discipline of submission as abstinence. You know, all that is is saying, I would be happy to do it your way. Now, that's not a fun sentence for most people, but you know what? There are times when God really calls us to do that with all different kinds of people and many ordinary circumstances where it's good for me to say, I would be happy to do it your way. And the Holy Spirit will let you know when those happen and the spiritual disciplines that are there for us to engage in. And so as we do this, I would like for you just to think for a minute. You can look at these disciplines. What are your favorite ways to abide in Christ? What are your favorite ways to be with God? Just give you a minute to think about what those might be. And it may be an activity that doesn't sound very religious, like walking your dog, because it's a time when you are quiet. And ideas come to you, and you don't even realize maybe that you're listening to God. So you're good at calling out. Wow, I'm very impressed. So, why don't you call out, what are, some good, what are some ways to abide in Christ that really work for you? Connecting with God. Worship, yes, and especially um, we, we learn so much in our corporate worship. But, you know, I was in a situation last week that was very, very difficult. I was with someone who was just negative, just so negative, and it, it I had watched, I, I was so shocked because he changed. And what Dallas used to do is he used to hum hymns. And so I would come up behind him at the Fuller class and I'd try and figure out which hymn he was humming now because he knew all these old ones that I didn't know. And so that's what I started doing. And it really helped me. Now that's a pretty bizarre form of worship, isn't it? But it really helped me. And it really helped me keep the Lord ever before me. Thank you for saying worship. What else? Trust. trust. What are some things that help you trust? I just know that he's there to catch me. Okay. And that, did you see she had her whole gesture going? And I think that really helps us to put truth in the way our body expresses it. Trusting God. In fact, you know, trusting God is such a big deal. The most frequent command in scripture isn't be good. It's don't be afraid. The positive version is trust me. 
from Genesis to Revelation, that is the big invitation of God. I think it should be the subtitle, Holy Bible, Trust Me. Because you're not going to love someone you don't trust. So throughout life, he's saying, trust me, and you're saying, yes. What else? What are, what are maybe some ways that... Yes. Yes. Especially when you can be vulnerable, when you can have someone that is willing to hear the worst about you and they still are crazy about you. Community. Yes. Community. Silence. Pardon? Silence. silence. What is silence? What are some good ways to do silence? Pardon? Yes. And you know, as we get into winter, it's really fun to wake up early. It's still dark, even when it's dark a lot later. Sit in the dark, I get the candle going. I have one of those fun lights that changes colors. And it's fun to just sit there. And sometimes I don't have a whole lot to say, even to God, but I, God's presence is so tangible or sitting out under the stars can just be, when I give my students um, assignments to do solitude and silence, they're all lying on trampolines in the dark and having a great time with God. And then they say, I hope this counts. And I go, oh yes, it counts. <laughs> Anything else? Service. And service can either be just out of obligation or it can be total partnering with God. And that's what we're going to talk about in the, in the church service tomorrow. Because God will nudge you and you will be on an adventure together. And you're going to have to ask him, so what's next? Doing woodwork by myself. Yes. Bizarre, but it worked for me. Well, it worked for Jesus. It does. And you know what you're, you know, part of what you're doing there is you're creating beauty. This is Genesis 1. This is, this is really something that is overlooked. But to be able to create beauty, yard work to me is, is such a time to be with God. I mean, my bougainvillea are outstanding. I've killed a lot of other things, but the, you know, the, you know, what could be more beautiful than a magenta bougainvillea to welcome you to my house. I think creating beauty and the texture of the wood, of the things that God has created, fingers in the earth. Yes, artwork. Is there something in particular in artwork that you do? Acrylics? Ooh, yes. Yes. And you know, my dear, God thinks you are a work of art. And so God is in the business of doing this. And Jesus just painted pictures nonstop. All of the parables are him saying, okay, so let's pretend. What if? And he painted a picture that often upset people. <laughs> disturbed them, shall we say, because he turned the world upside down. 
what would it look like to love the person in front of me, even if it's someone that no one else can stand? So, do you have any questions about any of the disciplines that are on here? Yes. Yes. I know. And, well, and you know, your pastor has asked me to talk about that tomorrow morning in church. And it goes with service, so it's, it's about not letting your good deeds be made, known, be made known. So it's actually like, and I'll read a story of someone who does this, it's, it's actually like a little adventure, and you do something, and it's you and God doing it together. Or there have been times where people have, have um, talked about accomplishments, and, and they're talking about maybe even a book that I worked on, and they don't mention me. I gotta tell you, it's like cutting off an arm. I'm sitting there. <laughs> Yoo-hoo, I was the editor of the book you're talking about. You mentioned these other people, but you didn't mention me. It was very good. I just had to breathe. But that was very good for me, not grabbing the credit. Other questions, other thoughts? Frugality is on there. That's a part of simplicity, and it has two parts. Frugality is limiting what I already own. That's called cleaning out. And, it's, it's, and what it does is everything you own takes up mental space. You have to remember where it is, how to clean it, who gave it to you, why in the world you're keeping it. And as you let go of that, there's more space in your life for God. So what you already own. And then the other one is acquisition or shopping. And so limiting our shopping to certain days of the week or, or whatever it is. And I especially plead with you, and this is in my book, Growing Compassion, Compassionate Kids. If you have kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, don't take them in stores. What we're doing is we're discipling them into being consumers. You want to disciple them into being lovers of people, to raise their standard of loving instead of raising their standard of living, that we take them in stores all the time. And it, it's, not, it's just not helpful for them. Anything else? Pardon? Chastity. Chastity is about not using other people for my pleasure. It's about being the kind of person who looks at someone and looks them in the eyes and sees them for who they are, rather than judging them by their body, judging them by whatever kind of, the, what the culture says about appeal, but having, having that focus where when you are with when you are with me, you know that I am for you and I am not looking you over. Not dressing special because somebody's gonna be there. It's a really important practice. Yes. Oh, yes. And so, you know what, that's why my guideline for all spiritual practices is this. Do it as you can, not as you can't. You don't have to do it the way it says in some book. 
the Holy Spirit's at the top of the triangle because the Holy Spirit will lead you into a risk that is this much, not necessarily this much. Spiritual disciplines, Dallas used to say, are not about no pain, no gain. Yeah, it'll be a little bit of a stretch, but not some, if you wanna fast, you don't start with, you know, a few days. You wanna have a prayer practice in place that you will use in place of eating or whatever it is um, and do that and you start with lunch. You don't have to start with something really big. But, and the, the goal will be, how do I do this so that it helps me connect with God? Well, I'm guessing burgers are ready. And so I thank you for your participation let me just ask God to lead you to whatever your next step might be. Oh God, we can hardly believe that you invite us to participate in the divine nature. That you invite us into life in the kingdom of God here and now. We ask you to show each of us in this room what might be a simple next step. Don't let us be rescuers and make it too hard. Help us to really hear you, to have moments of quiet where your voice, not, not beating us up, firm but still gentle, is so apparent to us. We thank you that you lead us this way. In the name of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, in the great power of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.